1: From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm April Domboski. State lawmakers held a hearing Thursday probing into the recent oil spill off the Orange County coast. They discussed the response to the disaster, the current cleanup efforts, and what changes need to be made to make sure it doesn't happen again. State Senator Henry Stern represents parts of northwest L.A. County and chairs the Natural Resources and Water Committee. He says there needs to be accountability for the oil and gas companies.
0: The notion of companies out there going bankrupt or finding some other legal mechanism to evade responsibility belies the public trust and undercuts our entire regulatory framework.
1: The Republican vice chair of the committee is also calling for a thorough investigation, but cautioned his colleagues on placing all the blame on the oil industry. Nearly 25,000 gallons of crude oil spilled from a broken pipeline earlier this month. Central Valley farm workers and their families are calling on state and local officials to restrict the use of 13 pesticides that have been linked to childhood cancers. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi says they also want more transparency.
0: Workers and community leaders held a rally this week at the Department of Pesticide Regulation Office in Clovis. The group cited two studies from UCLA, which showed that these pesticides were used extensively in Fresno and Tulare counties. Angel Garcia is organizing director of the advocacy group Californians for Pesticide Reform. We want to stop the secrecy of pesticides. We have a right to know when pesticides that can potentially impact our health. And we should have a right to know when, when that, that will take place so we can take precaution. Advocates want warnings to be posted online when these pesticides are used. The studies found that exposure for expectant mothers living within two and a half miles of farms that use these pesticides carries a greater risk for their child to develop leukemia or brain tumors. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
1: The technology conglomerate formerly known as Facebook is now Meta. The new name is short for Metaverse, a concept from a science fiction novel that is popular throughout Silicon Valley these days. Basically, Facebook wants to take all the places we go in our real lives, to work, to the gym, to concerts, and recreate them online in a 3D virtual reality universe, the Metaverse, as if we didn't quite get enough of that during the pandemic. Here's how CEO Mark Zuckerberg describes it.
0: An embodied internet where you're in the experience, not just looking at it. And we call this the metaverse. And you're going to be able to do almost anything you can imagine. Get together with friends and family, work, learn, play, shop, create, as well as entirely new categories that don't really fit how we think about computers or phones today.
1: The company is making this pivot in the midst of multiple controversies. It's under scrutiny by the Federal Trade Commission and by Congress. Recent leaks of internal documents show Facebook's products have had a negative effect on teenagers' mental health and have spread misinformation that played a role in American elections. The timing of the rebrand made for some snarky Twitter reactions. We asked our colleagues at KQED to give you a sampling.
0: Meta, as in, we are a cancer to democracy metastasizing into a global surveillance and propaganda machine for boosting authoritarian regimes and destroying civil society, for profit.
1: If you felt Facebook was emotionally invasive, wait until you feel the cold, unyielding embrace of Meta.
0: We just Meta, and I hate you already.
1: Okay, come on now. Zuck calling it meta somehow feels intentionally villainous. Someone needs to tell Zuck there is no meta in team. Oh, wait. That was KQED's Silicon Valley team, Rachel Myro, Aditi Banlamudi, and Sam Harnett, with help from Nina Thorson and Paul Lancor.
0: kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's Podcast with an S. Thanks.
1: California is set to receive $5 billion to help ease congestion at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. The deal with the U.S. Department of Transportation won't clear the backlog, but it's expected to help modernize ports and the truck and rail systems that serve them. Exactly what the money will be used for is still unclear, but transportation officials are looking into increasing freight rail capacity and investing in electric trucks and railways. Meanwhile, L.A. City Attorney Mike Fuhrer is proposing his own solution to help ease congestion at the ports. This is a national crisis, and the national crisis needs a national response. The president has been asked about engaging the national norm. Later today, the Los Angeles Harbor Commission is expected to vote on a new policy that would fine companies whose containers linger at port terminals too long. Starting today, 3,000 families in L.A. will be able to apply for what the city is calling its Big Leap. It's a pilot program for guaranteed basic income, and it's the largest of its kind in the country. It will give families in need $1,000 a month for a year. LA's program is based on a similar study that ran for two years in Stockton. Mayor Eric Garcetti says that program worked, and he hopes LA's version can be used as a model for the rest of the country.
0: Folks who received a monthly income reported feeling less exhausted and anxious than those in the control group.
1: Only families with at least one child who live in poverty and were impacted by the pandemic are eligible. Some of the recipients will come from City Councilman Curran Price's district in South L.A., which is home to some of the highest poverty rates in the city.
0: Sadly, this pandemic has only exacerbated the racial, uh, the racial wealth gap and it's laid bare, laid bare a mountain of inequities that
1: impact us all. Price says his district office will serve as a command center to help people who want to apply. Over 50 percent of California's Muslim students say they feel unsafe in school. That's according to a new report that calls for school districts and policymakers to do more to protect marginalized students. The Council on American-Islamic Relations surveyed 700 Muslim students between the ages of 11 and 18 across the state. CEO Hussam Ailush says they are launching a Center for the Prevention of Hate and Bullying next week. The main purpose would be to not only track and monitor hate speech, hate actions, school bullying included, but also help various institutions, including uh, schools, academia, government agencies, in, in addressing that growing Islamophobia and its effect. Several students reported that teachers and administrators were unhelpful and at times even engaged in Islamic behavior themselves. 2,000 therapists and social workers at Kaiser Permanente in Northern California are threatening to go on strike. The therapist union is in negotiations for a new contract, and it wants Kaiser to hire more clinicians. They say this will reduce wait times between appointments, and ease provider caseloads they say are unsustainable. In a statement, Kaiser said the real issue at the table is how much therapists get paid. And if wages keep going up, patients won't be able to afford their premiums. It said the union has threatened to go on strike in every contract negotiation for the past 11 years. Every October, fans of horror films make pilgrimages to a nondescript house in South Pasadena. It served as the childhood home of Michael Myers from the 1978 classic Halloween. The California Report's Saul Gonzalez drove by yesterday and found two Halloween fans. They plan to keep their affection for Michael Myers in the family for generations to come. Are you here because
0: it's the Halloween house? Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind if I talk to you about that? Yeah. Okay, it's a family affair, I could see. What's your name? I'm Adson Morales. (laughs) Adson Morales? Yes, sir. And you? Stephanie. Stephanie? Yeah. And? Luna. Luna, hi, Luna. How old is Luna?
1: She's um, eight months. Oh,
0: well, pleasure. So it's a family affair to come here.
1: Yes, Why do you want to come here? Obviously, it's the iconic Halloween house. I mean, I think we all love Michael Myers. We, especially, Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. We're uh, residents of Pasadena as well. So we're, we're proud to live in the city where the movie was filmed. And yeah, and we're now we're passing it on to the next generation, which is, is my daughter.
0: <laughs> is this something you sort of do every year? Do you try to come over, or is um, this your first time doing it's it?
1: It's our first time, it's her first year, so obviously it's her first time. Um, I do this all the time. Actually. But, but with her, we are kind of like going all out, taking pictures of her, <laughs> and just kind of making the most of her first year, so. Her right. first Halloween, like, Halloween
0: yes, exactly. experience. Yes, yeah. sir. And you said you come here like all the time?
1: Yeah, because I'm a r i am I was a resident in Alhambra and this like we all knew about this and we would just come out here to take pictures and just remember the movie.
0: It's kind of a uh, local it's part of local history.
1: Yes, exactly. Again, that was the California Report Saul Gonzalez reporting from the iconic Michael Myers house in South Pasadena. This Halloween weekend, our sister show, the California Report's weekly magazine, is celebrating all things spooky across the state. Here's host Sasha Coca with a preview.
0: We'll head to Pomona to meet a ghost hunter who's seen some pretty chilling stuff. I see an arm reach out to grab me, but it had no body. It was just an arm by itself. I remember the way it looked. It was super hairy, but it was just an arm floating. We'll also visit a haunted lighthouse on one of the most isolated stretches of California coast.
1: Who's here with us right now? Walter.
0: Hi, Walter. And meet a Central Valley farmer who grows marigolds for Day of the Dead. It's the tradition our grandparents handed down, he says. The flowers are sacred. They're essential for Day of the Dead. Plus, a trip to Mare Island, the first naval base on the West Coast, where a century-old empty military warehouse has been transformed
1: into a massive haunted house. That's Sasha Koka, host of The California Report's Weekend magazine. You can hear all of these stories on this week's show. Tune in to your public radio station or download the podcast, The California Report magazine. And that's the California Report for Friday, October 29th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan tovin Lindsay, And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening, and have a happy Halloween.
0: Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
1: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
0: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.